Welcome to Centerpoint, your guide to health, balance, and thriving relationships. I'm Lily. And I'm Daniel James. Join us for expert insights, practical tips, and real conversations. We're your hosts, Dan and Lily James. Welcome to episode seven, part two of Your Body Is Your Foundation. Today, we're gonna be focusing on nutrition and recovery and that part of the body. So with that in mind, we're gonna be talking about diets to kick us off. We know there's a lot of diets out there. Some of them are fad diets. Some of them are really good, but ultimately it leads people to being confused what's your perspective i think you're exactly right it's something that we've been very passionate about and me personally it's been uh quite a vocal part of my um journey in health that i've always felt like there were just too many things out there Mm -hmm. too confusing too much conflicting and contradictory information. As an example, the biggest one is the meat eaters versus the non-meat eaters. I don't think one is arguably better than the other. This is such a huge argument and we are meat eaters. So naturally we would be leaning towards that side. But again, I don't want to sit here and pick sides because I think, first of all, it's so individual and our perception of health or our understanding of health is a lot more holistic than just the diet. There's a lot more to health than just the diet. So when we are eating for ourselves, I always think, <clears throat> what season are we in? How are we feeling in our bodies as individuals, as in a collective? Um, what's in season and what's going on in terms of our mind? So you know, are we feeling a little bit more stressed out? What type of nutrients we need? And it's not necessarily like I'm going to sit down and write down the macros we need um, and like all the supplements and the specific vitamins we need. It's a lot more intuitive than that. It's more focused on how are we feeling today, Dan? <laughs> I often ask you, oh, what do you fancy for dinner? And you're like, whatever, Lily. <laughs> well, I always say, don't ask me, I'll eat anything. And if I specifically want something, I'll tell you. Yeah, and that's really good because uh, I've got myself a non-picky one. But regardless, we would sit down and just think about, this is how I'm feeling. You know, this week I've had a lot of training, for example. And so you would tell me or I would say to you, you know, I think we should um, up our protein a little bit because we've been, you know, a bit under the weather. Um, We need to, you know, eat a bit more protein or a bit more meat or do you know what? I've been feeling quite heavy. So let's, you know, cut down X, Y, Z a little bit. So it's it's a lot more to do with intuition, reconnection to nature and your body. So it's not about which one's better, which one's best. I feel like for for a lot of people, it's a real problem. Like this confusion is a real issue. And, you know, I could talk about this for days, but I fully believe that there is a, an underlying agenda here and it's been manipulated by the food industry and the health and wellness industry. So it's all, you know, they're all in it together. So the food industry mislabeling things, saying, oh, this is great for you. This is great for you. You know, have this um, 20, 30 ingredient food, which 
seems healthy on the outside because it's got green packaging, but in reality, um, it's just misleading because it's not all unprocessed food. It's a highly processed, you know, food. And um, a good example is, you know, fruit juices, um, where they say, oh yeah, drink all these fruit juice and it's also amazing for you. It's just ridiculous amount of sugar without the fiber. So yeah, these are just little examples how, you know, you'd have the, the food industry pushing one agenda because obviously, you know, money's got to be made. Uh, the wellness industry doing the same thing in terms of pushing supplements, pushing this diet, that diet. So the wellness industry are great for creating confusion that there is so much out there. So the amount of fat diets and the supplements and the things you can take to make yourself better. There's so many holistic modalities and, and whatnot for nutrition specifically that people get really confused and they end up spending more and they end up not listening to what they actually need. So this is why I've always been quite passionate about talking about this topic and sort of bringing awareness to it. Yeah, I think two key points really that you've touched on. The first one being meat eaters, so like carnivore diet or the vegan vegetarian diet. The reason why those diets work is because they're simple and our bodies are incredible at adapting. So if you just eat vegetables, then our body will adapt to that and start to process it really well. So I think the first thing that people need to do is strip it all back and just think what is natural what is healthy for them to eat making sure their diet creates that foundation of nutrients and then supplements do what it's supposed to and supplements on top of that not used as a meal replacement yeah i think when it comes to supplements it just is just as confusing as diets um because there are so many out there um just the number of brands that create supplements and the type of supplements. Are you going to take a pill? Are you going to take um, a powder or a drink? Whatever it is, there is just so much out there in the form of supplementation. Why not just focus on the foundations or the fundamentals of nutrition? And, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to be extremely strict and, and go into a full-on like regimented like counting macros diet where you need to track your fat and protein and carbs that's not the case at all i think the rule of thumb here is that the more natural it is meaning the less processed it is the better it is going to be for you and you always want to be looking for that the less ingredient a food has the less it has been processed the better it's going to be for you and our bodies, as you said, adapt. If you were to live on bread and water for the rest of your life, you could still live. It wouldn't be the best life, but you could still live. A lot of monks live an extremely restricted diet. And so really, when it comes to food, I just wish people started to use a bit more common sense and bought into the fads less. But I do think it's very difficult nowadays to do that because every news outlet, the social media stuff is just pushing it down your throat. You know, eat this, don't eat that, fear mongering of loads of different things. Um, and don't get me wrong, there there is a huge amount of stuff that we eat and put in our bodies that we shouldn't be doing. So you and I became more aware 
of the things that we were putting in our bodies and they were not necessarily a good type of food or a good type of thing to be putting in our bodies because of the chemicals or the processing. And I'm not going to go into real detail on these things because people can do their research, they can find out you know, about seed oils, about chemicals, hormone disruptors, whatsoever. So today's conversation is not about this, here's a list of things you need to stop eating, or here's the list of things you need to start eating. This conversation is about understanding that there's a lot out there. So yeah, people just need to use a bit of critical thinking and common sense when it comes to their nourishment. And I like to use that word because it really resonates with me in terms of how we nourish our bodies. Yeah, that's really good, actually. I've, I've never thought of almost relabeling it to nourishment and i really like the idea you know we talk about eating and diets and it almost removes what its main job is whereas reframing it to be nourishment almost puts a positive spin and makes you think well whatever this thing i'm eating is needs to nourish my body is it doing that yes or no and i think one of the things I used to tell my clients was, yeah, when you go to the supermarket, you want to shop around the outside because that tends to be where the fresh produce is. Now, that doesn't mean the bakery and the cakes. Yes, they might be really tasty, but we all know they're bad for us. But what that normally is, is the butchers, the fishmongers, the vegetables. It's all around the outside. So the key is to understand balance. So when you're looking at nourishing your body, Yes, you want to be thinking about protein, fats and carbs, but you need to really understand what they are. And I'd say most people don't eat anywhere near enough protein in their diet. So people should be eating one and a half to two grams of protein per kilo that they weigh. And then based off that, you want to have a certain percentage that's fats and carbs. And ideally, you want to be looking at whole foods and local seasonal foods so again rather than going to your big supermarket your best bet would be going to a butcher's going to a fishmonger's going to a fruit and veg market if you have one nearby they're the place that can give you a better understanding of where their produce has come from and exactly what's in it yeah i agree and i think one good thing to add here would be if you don't have access to the fishmongers, the, the butchers and the food and vet stall where you live, when you go to the supermarket, you can look at the ingredients list. And one thing you can use to discern whether something is worth consuming is that the more ingredients something has, the less likely it's going to be good for you. Um, you can use this with bread, for example. Uh, we use it quite a lot. So if we have to go to the supermarket and don't have time to make our own sourdough, then we'll go to the supermarket and check, does this bread have like a million other ingredients that are unnecessary? Because you know yourself that bread is supposed to be, um, well, with some kind of flour and water and some salt, depending, but th there shouldn't be any like extra bits added. And I know you know, a lot of the times they add like extra vitamins and this stuff and that stuff. And you don't need that. Like you really don't. And um, sometimes people th would think that the more ingredients something has, the better, but it's actually the opposite. And it's pretty much true for any food in the supermarket, I would say, any food and drink. So, you know, if you like to have a fruit juice, you know, 
go and get that fruit juice, but do have a look whether that fruit juice has extra ingredients you were not aware of. That's a really good point. And I think the biggest one is if you read the ingredients list and you don't understand what something is, then that should be a bit of a warning. And like you said, just think to yourself, what is it that I'm buying and what should be in it? So to give you an example, I bought sausages and I looked at the ingredients pack. One pack had about 30 ingredients and it was 64% pork in a sausage. And the other one only had six ingredients and it was 87% pork. So straight away I thought, okay, I'm buying a sausage. It's made of pork. So I should be going for the one that has less ingredients I understand everything that's in there and it's a higher percentage of pork. Yeah, it's difficult because not everyone's going to look at the food labels, but it only takes an extra half a minute, if that, just to give it a quick read. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So now you and I will just go in the supermarket and then we'll just look at something, a quick skim read and we're we're good and everyone can adapt their mindset. And I think what's important to note here also is just because you read the ingredient label doesn't mean you're going to actually end up buying the more expensive one. You normally find that actually it's the opposite. The The more ingredient stuff is normally the more expensive stuff. So people assume you need to have a lot of money to eat well. And I've come across this argument so many times, and I'm sure you have as well. Oh, I just can't afford to eat well. You know, I can't afford to be healthy because I can't afford to buy the food and I can't afford the access to the food. Well, they they say that, but then it turns out they smoke, they vape, they drink alcohol. So it's understanding their priorities. So usually the biggest excuse that people have for not eating well is that they can't afford to. They can't afford to buy the organic, the, you know, the fancy, the... Um, meat, the fresh produce, etc. And they also say that they don't have access to it. So where they live or whatsoever. And all I can say to that is how about you look at the simplest foods that you probably don't want to eat, but that's what you should be eating. So when it comes down to it, there are so many inexpensive foods that are good for you, such as eggs, organ meat, very, very cheap. I know people don't like them, but guess what? They are good for you. They're meant for you. So maybe you should start eating them. And there are loads of other examples of this. So this is why I say it's all an excuse. And it's all that mentality of like, oh, it's, you know, it's not me. It's my circumstance. And and that's an issue because it creates that complacency. It creates a sense of entitlement, you know, that I should be having that organic food or why don't I have that and it also creates that mindset where you just focus on the external and nothing on the internal so you're always going to find fault in your circumstances or other people and blame anything else but you never learn to take accountability so finding inexpensive good foods is not hard it's really not hard there is of course the element of uneducation where people just don't know what good food is. And to that, I can say there's Google, you can research what simple ingredients good food is. And like I said, today is not the time to go and explain every single food um, that's good for you and cheap. But that is one of the main barriers that people have when it comes to eating well. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I don't want to turn this episode into talking about the mindset because I think we've previously discussed that and we will continue to discuss it. But understanding that that is, like you said, one of the biggest barriers when it comes to reaching your potential, whether that's through nourishment, physical exercise, meditation, but just understand that having a little bit of accountability and a little bit of humility, it is difficult to look yourself in the mirror and understand I don't have all the answers. Maybe I've not been right about something and that's fine. Yeah, I think, you know, just to finish on that point, the last thing I'd say is understanding that your body is your temple is the number one thing when it comes to this mindset. So if you think that you are in the situation you are because of your circumstances, then you're dishonoring your body, you're dishonoring yourself because you're unable to take care of that temple. Really cherishing our bodies and ourselves is what matters. So this is true for nutrition, but it's also true for our rest and recovery. So I guess that brings us well to our next topic and some of the best practices and some of the not so great practices that we tend to do. I think it comes back to what we keep talking about and it's becoming a common theme for Centerpoint is balance. But rather than me talking about rest and recovery, I'm going to hand over to you because this is more your area of expertise. You were saying it's more my uh, area of expertise because I like sleeping, right? I guess we can go on and talk about sleep because it is important. I wanted to touch on sleep for sure because it's something that people either tend to be quite obsessed with sleep, like I am, or tend to neglect it um, and have quite a poor sleep hygiene. Um, I, I've seen this word or term floating around sleep hygiene and I quite like it because it it's not just about the act of sleep as we know it's about how you get into sleep and how you come out of it as well so I like I like this new fancy term. So I thought it would be good to touch on some of the good things the positive habits and some of the negative ones so do you want to kickstart us on actually some of the negative sleep habits that you've seen people do? I think the biggest one is consistency and the actual routine. So quite often people don't go to bed at the same time. They don't wake up at the same time. So their body is always guessing when are we going to sleep? When are we waking up? And some of the other bad habits are not understanding the impact of blue light. So they'll be on their phone doing a high energy activity. So whether that's doom scrolling on social media, playing a high energy video game or watching a high impact movie, TV show, something that gets your mind racing and then they'll literally turn it off, roll over and try and go to sleep, which doesn't work because their mind is wired now. You know, imagine you've just been doing physical activity, your body's pumping and racing and then straight away you get into bed and try and go to sleep. It's not going to happen. It might do through exhaustion, but that's not healthy. So like you touched on, just understanding how are you preparing your mind, body and soul for going to sleep and resting. And it brings me on to my next point, which is quite often we talk about the quantity of sleep we get, but not the quality of sleep. So we keep getting told you have to have eight hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep. But I can guarantee eight hours of sleep to me 
looks completely different to other people out there because I wear blue light blocking glasses. I don't go on my phone an hour to two hours before bed. Things like that, which means my mind and body is primed for sleep. So because I understand about preparing my mind, body and soul for going to sleep and rest, I have a much deeper, higher quality of sleep. And that's why I'm able to be active and live on maybe six hours of sleep because my quality of sleep is much higher than most people. And for me, that is optimal. I've recently listened to a podcast episode with um, Sadhguru in it. I don't know if anyone listening to this has heard of him, but um, he mentioned just having about four hours a night um, because he spends the rest of his day in a sleep-like state. So he's awake, but he's resting. So that's, you know, you're resting. So your your mind is not racing. Your your body is not doing anything. So it sort of just reminded me where you're on the way. <laughs> you might be on your way to enlightenment. Who knows? <laughs> and I really wanted to add, actually, that sleep and recovery are necessary in order to achieve that overall balance. Because we talk about polarity quite a lot because we're so passionate about finding that balance, hence the name Centerpoint. And the way it works is that when you are you know, doing your day job and you're busy, 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 you need to balance that. And sleep and recovery is your way to balance that. And if you are spending 80%, 70% of your time doing whatever it is that's essentially a go-go-go state of mind, then you're not balancing it right. And that's why people experience burnout and chronic ailments because they are not letting themselves find that balance and experience the, the true power of that polarity and what it feels like to find that equilibrium. And I think that brings us quite well to the last point of this discussion, which is some healing modalities that can help us finding that balance and add almost like an extra tool in order to help us detox and give us a helping hand in actual recovery. So I wanted to ask you, what are some of your favorite ways to, to detox your body? I think my two favorite ways would be fasting and cold exposure. And maybe we'll do an episode down the line more about healing modalities because it's like everything we talk about it's a whole nother kettle of fish you open up a can of worms and you can talk about it for hours so fasting that's either intermittent fasting prolonged water fasting just something that gives your body a period of time where it doesn't have to focus on digesting essentially and i like cold exposure because not only does it help with muscle recovery, but it also helps build mental resilience. Let's be honest, no one wants to have a cold shower or an ice bath. For me, I love the cold, but I like to first be hot and then cold. So for me, it would be hot and cold exposure where you go to a sauna or a hot steam room and then you go jump into an ice bath or the river or the lake or sea or whatever you have nearby. So for me, that's fantastic. That really works. Um, and that's the kind of only way I normally tend to do cold exposure, but 
I'm not going to be having cold showers every day at home. <laughs> that just won't happen with me. So there are so many healing modalities out there really that, you know, you want to pick your absolute favorite ones and just stick with them. And that's what we've done. And it works really well because what I see a lot of the times online nowadays is that people do everything. <laughs> And it then again creates more confusion and it then makes people not want to do any of them because when you have too much choice, people just end up not doing any of these things where they can be amazing tools for recovery, but, but they just don't end up doing any because they're so overwhelmed with the choice of things, you know, people doing coffee enemas and there's all sorts of acupuncture, Chinese medicine. I'm not even going to go into it. The other day I was looking on a website on the, just the sheer number of healing therapies. There are more than 200 out there at least. And, you know, some people watching or listening to this podcast could, uh, go have a look and find a lot more actually. So it would be impossible to, to cover all of these things. So that's why I wanted to just touch on some of our favorites. And I think as a last point to just remind everyone then balance is key so with everything we've said today if people take away just one thing i hope it would be that to just remember to keep a balance when it comes to their nourishment to to their rest and their recovery so thank you so much for watching i hope you've enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you next week bye, bye.